Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hello. Good morning. Eleven o'clock. I should have the blood flowing. I should be good. Where? Um, so we've been going through Proverbs, talking about wisdom, um, and we've been hearing about two characters, right? And when I came and approached it, it made me think about like when I was growing up in the in the uh, late '90s and the early 2000s. There were these shows that started coming out, and People had an opportunity to present their skill, their benefits, and give that to an audience, right? And that audience would vote for those people, and at the end, they would choose their champion. This is the person that we think is the best. This is the person that we think should represent um, this show and things like that. Shows like American Idol or The Voice, right? Proverbs 9 is kind of like that. So for the last couple of weeks, we've seen the highlight reel of these two figures, wisdom and folly. Both of these people have been showing us um, the benefits of wisdom and the benefits of folly. Proverbs 9 says, this is the, it sets the stage for them to give their final appeals. This is the final chance for the audience to look and say, I'm going to choose that one. That one, will, that one will be my champion. That one will be my representative. That is the one that I will follow. So let's... Go to the theater, and let's see how this showdown goes down. Let's see how each one performs and see how we as an audience are going to respond to that. But before we go there, let's pray and ask God that he helps us to choose the right one, to hear correctly. (sighs) Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the Spirit of God that enables us to hear your word, God, that you come into our heart and you transform the heart, God. I ask that you be here today, God, that you soften hearts, you soften my own heart, that you give me the wisdom to speak clearly, that you allow your people to hear clearly, God, and that we would be edified and built up and moved towards looking more like your son, Jesus. Please reveal him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this is what wisdom has to say. It says, starting at verse 1 of chapter 9 of Proverbs, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat my bread. And drink my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So here we're talking about wisdom. But the Bible as a whole, as a whole, talks about wisdom as a person. Right? Colossians 2 puts it this way. That all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are hidden in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, this is where you find all true wisdom. This is where you find all true knowledge is in Christ Jesus. So when we look here, it's to see like Jesus is the one that's preparing all of these things. If we, if we look at the first two or three verses, we see a lot of verbs, right? It says built, hewn, slaughtered, mixed, 
set, sent. Wisdom is putting in work. Wisdom is doing things. Wisdom is setting up everything for people to have what they need. Wisdom is hospitable. It's inviting. Hospitable means to invite the outsider in. Come partake on what I have. I've set up things. I want you to have some of this. Come over here. I'm excited about it. That's what wisdom is saying. And it makes me think about a parallel passage, or it kind of kind of saying the same thing. It's in Psalms 34, 8 through 10. It reads like this. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Everything's been provided. Same thing. Saying that the Lord has provided everything that we need. So I want to talk to those that believe in Christ for a little bit. Do we understand what is available to us? Do we understand what God has prepared for us? What he says, you can have this every single day. I've set the table. I've made the, I've made the building. I've sent people out. I've prepared these things for you. Do we know? These are the things that empower us to live a Christ-centered life. Jesus said that whoever believes in me, out of them will flow rivers of living water. Do you feel like life is flowing out of you when you encounter people every day? When you're walking at your job, are you a source of light and just hope? That you beam with that. God said it's available. He said he's prepared. He says that he's made that available to us. Verse 3 says, She sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. So did Jesus. Right? When we look at this, this wise woman, these people that she sent out, they're not saying their own thing. They're not giving their own message they're not talking about their own wisdom. They are saying, this is what wisdom has said. This is what the boss has said. You need to get in on this. Listen, everything is prepared. Come on in. That's what God says about believers. We are supposed to be so enamored with this message and saying, come on in. That message is this, that we're flawed, we're broken. We don't do what we want to do. I know what is right. I have a desire to love my wife. I have a desire to raise my kids up right. I have a desire to do my job in such a way that it has excellence. I desire to tell the truth. I desire to do these things, but I fall short. And I constantly and I'm missing this mark. And when I miss this mark, it brings on this blanket of shame and guilt and grief. And I walk in that. And because I cannot get this thing off, I now operate in that. I now respond to people out of this poverty, out of this 
brokenness, I, I, I have anger with people. I don't treat my kids the way I should. I don't treat my wife the way I should because of this guilt and this shame that is burdened upon me. But God sent his son in a human form to live the life that we could not live. All of that that we say, man, I wish I could have did that. I wish I would have did that the right way. Jesus did that. He actually lived a life where he did everything perfect. And at the end of that life, he gives up his life on the cross and he says, I will take that from you. I will take that guilt. I will take that shame. I will take that mess up. I will take that stumble. I will take those evil, wicked thoughts that you've had, those horrible mistakes that you want to just let go and forget about. Jesus said, I will die for that. I'll take that punishment. I'll take that separation for you on the cross. So he gives his life up as a sacrifice. He dies on our behalf. After that, he does something amazing. He raises from the grave. He does not stay dead. Why? Because death has no claim on him. Death is for sinners. Death is for those. The penalty of sin is death, Romans tells us. But Jesus had no sin. So therefore, he has the right to take off the bounds of death and say, hey, I can keep living. You have no claim on me. I'm actually the boss. And he says that whoever believes on him, he will take their guilt. He will rid it. It will be punished. It will be taken care of in a cross. But that's not it. He says that I will give you a righteousness that you did not earn, but that I earned. That perfection that he was walking in, he says, you can have that. And I will put it on you and put it in you. You will have this righteousness and you will walk brand new. I will give you power to live a righteous life. I will give you my Holy Spirit by which you will now be empowered to not be a slave to what you do not want to do. I've broken the chains of sin and death. I now give you power. This is what those messengers are going out and saying. They're sent out from the highest place and saying, whoever simple, let them turn in here. Come and eat. You who lack sense, come and eat bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. So now we have to ask, what is simple? Who is a simple person? We got to identify that. Am I, am I simple? What, what does that look like? As I studied, the definition of simple that came up was, simple is someone that's beginning on a path and they're not committed to anything. They're just kind of going. This works right now, all right? This, is, this, this seems good right now. This seems to be working for those people. I'm going this way. I'm going that way. You're everywhere. You have no path. There is no anchor. You are just driven by the trends. You are driven by what you think is good in that moment. And then somehow you end up where you do not want to be. You end up in calamity. You end up with relationships broken. You end up in addictive patterns. And you're like, how do I keep ending up here? Because we're simple. Because we have no anchor. This is why we keep ending up in these places. But he has a remedy. It says, come eat 
of my bread and drink of my wine I have mixed. When it says wine that I've mixed, it's not talking about watering down the wine. It's talking about putting spices and different kind of seasonings within this wine, which makes it delightful. It makes it tasteful. It makes it good to the lips. It makes it, I just want more of this. I desire this. What is this bread and wine? Right there. Jesus says, this is my blood. This is my body. Are we consuming of Christ? What am, I, what am I taking in? What are the things that fill my mind? What are the things that fuel that simpleness? Do I, do I, feel the, do I fuel the simpleness in my life? Do I continue to pour into those habits that cause me to run the opposite direction of what I believe God wants me to do? It says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So, so, so there's a decision that has to be made. You have to acknowledge first, like, am I simple? Am I walking in a way that keeps leaving me empty? Am I walking in a way that is not bringing the fulfillment that Jesus said I should have in my life? Jesus said that I will have life more abundant, abundant life, full life, joyful life, peaceful life. Not like the world has peace. Uncircumstantial peace and joy type of life. Am I experiencing that? If not, it means that we may be walking in a simple way. God tells us, leave that and then walk in the way of insight. Walking. It's active. It's a moving. I'm doing a lot of walking up here. I'm moving. Keeping your eyes attentive. All right? <laughs> Keep moving my eyes. God says that it's not knowing about Jesus. It's not like these are facts about Jesus. And it's not agreeing with those facts. Right? It's like, oh, I agree. I, I think that's right. I believe that what Jesus said is the right thing. It's not enough. God says that you must walk. You must walk. You must actively partake in what he has said, what he has done. And we can't do that on our own. That's why it says before, come eat the bread and drink the wine. That's the source. That's the source of the power for you to walk with God. Imagine a, an, an athlete, Olympic, Olympic status, you know, elite status athlete. And the, the night before, Maybe even a week before, right? They go on a fast. They just, they just stop eating. No supplements. No nothing. Get up in the morning. You've been, you've been training for years. You've been, you've been doing this for years. You know what you're doing. You've, read the tra- you've watched the training videos. You know the rules. You know the regulations. But there's no way that you're going to get up to that start line and have the power and the energy to run that race if you are not filling up on Jesus, if you're not taking of this bread, if you're not spending time with God in his word, right? That's what God is calling us to do. I 
Think about this. When we're in situations, right, God calls us to walk like him. Be wise. Do what Jesus would do. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. How can you do that if you do not know what he said? If you do not read, if you do not spend time with Jesus in prayer, if you do not have this deposited in your body, in your mind, in your soul, and in your spirit, how can you act accordingly when the time calls? What are you pulling up when the situation comes, when your boss is yelling at you like a lunatic? When your kids are screaming at the top of their lungs and you've already told them time and time again, like, chill out. Stop doing that. When you're tempted, when that ad pops up and you're just like, whoa, that's put my mind somewhere where I did not want to be. What are you going to pull up to fight that? If you don't have the word inside of you, you're a sitting duck. You are going to die. But God says, come and eat. Leave your simple ways. Be prepared. Walk with me. Do you hear wisdom calling out? How many times have you walked down the same path? How many times have you kept doing the same cycles? You already know how this ends. You already know, like, I'm about to be right here, and I hate being right here, and I'm going to feel like this, and then I'm going to feel like I can't come to God. And then God is going to say, you're still my child. And then I'm going to, how, how many times are you going to go through that cycle? How many times are you going to do that? How many times am I going to do that? God says, take in wisdom. You don't have to. Take in wisdom. Be prepared. Be equipped. Take this power in that God has given you to live a righteous life. So that's Wisdom. So let's take a brief interlude, right, before we get to our next presenter. And let's take some time for crowded, crowd self-examination. Let's, let, let's look at the crowd now. And um, I'm going to ask them a, full, a few questions, right? So this is what verse 7 through 12 says. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So there's a lot of talking about this person called a scoffer. What is a scoffer? Ray Ortland put it this way. He says, a scoffer is anyone who never accepts correction. He thinks other people really need to hear his opinions, and he is easily offended. He is above other people. And if someone seems to threaten his superiority, he scoffs, he mocks, and he mouths off. He criticizes them unfairly. 
Man, that's, I see myself in there somewhere. All right? <laughs> it's like, oh. How do you respond to correction? How do you respond to people telling you, like, hey, that's, that's not it. That's not the right way. You're not going the right way. How do you respond to rebuke? Are you like, you can't tell me anything. Like, I already know. I've been in this career for this long. I've had kids for this long. I've been walking with Jesus for this long. What are you talking to me about? I already know. You can't tell me anything. That's the scoffer. Is that in our heart? When people talk to you, do you just cut them off? Do you just kind of run them, run them off? Just get out of here. Like, don't talk to me. Are people scared to, to come and tell you about yourself? Are you, are you open to say, can somebody tell you, like, man, like, the way you've been treating your spouse, that's God's word says this, man. Like, that's, that's not what you should be doing. Can somebody tell you that? Or are you going to be like, it's my family. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I run my family. Or are you going to say, man, like, I'm, I, thank you. I didn't even see that. Thank you for showing me that. You're actually being a good friend. And you're saving me much grief. The wise man, the wise man is humble and willing to die to his own opinion being the highest authority. But I think that's it. I don't care what nobody else thinks. I've got it mastered. I've got it figured out. What I say goes. This is my house. What I say, this is how it go. That's, that's, not, that's not the wise man. The wise man doesn't think that he is the highest authority over everything. The wise man has a master. The wise man humbles himself. Jesus was a wise man. He embodies it. In John 5, 19, he says, I don't even do what I want to do. I only do what I see the Father doing. He humbled himself. His opinion was not the highest opinion. And he's God. Right? (laughs) He's God. His opinion was not the highest opinion. He said, I submit to the Father. I humble myself. As an example to us, who are we to think, I do not want to humble myself. I cannot submit to anybody. He also said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. There's things that I want to do that aren't necessarily evil. Jesus had no wickedness in him, no wicked desires. He just didn't. He was like, man, if there's any other way than being mutilated and put on a cross to say these people, let's do that. Right? But he said, not my will, but your will be done. Is that your heart? Is that my heart? Are we willing to do that? That's what a wise man does. Ask your close friends, how do I respond to correction? Honestly, I'm just starting to get this, you know, thinking that you got everything right. It's like, honey, these dishes are still dirty. It's like, what do you mean it's still dirty? I washed them. 
No, no, they still got stuff on it. It's like anger. You know, it's just like humble yourself. You're wrong. The dirties are the dishes are dirty. Accept it. Correct it. Do it. Um, so now we look at the entrance way to wisdom. Right? The scoffer believes that he has all the wisdom, but his wisdom is rooted somewhere other than the fear of God. So therefore, his wisdom is actually foolishness. It does not matter how good you are at your job. It does not matter how good you treat other people. It does not matter how much you, you know or how much you know about politics or anything. If you do not know Jesus, at the end, you will stand before God and you will think about all the data that you have stacked up in your life. And it's going to be worthless. You're going to be standing in front of a holy God with decoration ideas and podcast ideas. And this is how you do this, and this is how you do that, and this is how this politician did this. You're not going to care about that in front of God. There is wisdom to be had. There is wisdom to be taken in. The scoffer doesn't understand that. They have no perception that there's something greater, that they're accountable to somebody. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The Bible tells us that true wisdom doesn't come from being humble or willing to listen. That's a part of it, right? You can be humble and willing to listen. But the most important thing is this. Who are you listening to? Who is the person that you're giving your ear to? Who's the one that's driving your mind, shaping your mind? Who's renewing your mind? Do you spend all of your time sitting at the feet of today's gurus in finance, politics, fashion, fitness, pop culture, home design? None of that is bad. None of that is wrong. None of that is wicked. But if you're drinking at this fountain, if this is where you go to get all of your joy, God, the Bible would tell you that you're a foolish person. You're foolish because you're drinking from a spout that can never fulfill you. Jesus said that if you believe in him, out of you, rivers of living water will come out. Life. When you get done watching whatever you watch, when you've done that, that show, when you've binged that thing, when you've read those books, how do you treat the people around you? Like the Holy Spirit is inside of you or like your flesh is dominating? How are you treating them? This will show you. It's showing you. What am I filling myself up with? What fountain am I, am I hooked up to? You know, if you, if, you, if you run a faucet and you look at it, right? Sometimes if you're in a bad neighborhood or stuff is going on, it'll just start letting out brown water, right? What's your immediate thought when you see that? I ain't drinking that. Like, I ain't drinking that. That's filthy. 
are you drinking brown water? What are you hooked up to? What fountain are you drinking from? God says, look, that's swamp water. Unhook your hose and put it over here. There's living water. Come get this living water. Come get life. It says that that is the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be, and years will be added to your life. No one knows when they're going to die, right? People, children lose their lives. Believers die all the time before their time, people would say, right? So is God saying that we're going to live a bunch of days? I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that. But what I do know is that the quality of my days will change. If I live with God, every day can be full. Every day can be fulfilling. Every day can be filled with power. Every day, I can get what God promised me. God says, the person who keeps their mind stayed on him will have perfect peace. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, faithfulness, self-control, patience, all of, these, all of these things, right? God said, that's for you. You can have that. Are you accessing that? Are you going to get that? God says, if you obey me, if you listen to me, if you die to thinking that you're the highest authority, that your decisions are best, if you let go of tasting from these wells, don't you understand that I will bless you? Maybe not with a Bentley. Maybe not with that house that you want. But I will have life for real. Have you ever had life for real? I'm talking about getting up and you immediately, thank you, God. Like, I got mad stuff to think about. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. My mind has changed about life. Circumstances ain't changed. We still in the two-room apartment. We still driving the hoopty. We still, it's still happening. But my mind has changed. I am grateful. I am full of life. By which when people see me, it's like, what is wrong with that dude? What's wrong with that lady? What do they have that I do not have? This world is not built to give you peace. It's not built for that. It has fallen. God says, I will give you peace. Not like the world gives peace. I will give you a peace that's beyond understanding, that's unconceivable to the people around you. Because it comes from me. It's not based upon your circumstances. It's based upon getting hooked into this fountain and filling up, worshiping God, reading his word, talking to him like an actual real person. You exist, God. You are real. You are really my friend. Abraham said, this is my friend. This is my friend. Yahweh is my friend. Is God your friend? Do you spend time with him like, this is my dude. This is the one. This is my friend, and this is also my master. 
I trust him like a friend. I obey him like a master. It goes on to say, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. It is on you. You decide. Every day you get up, you think, you think, will I give thanks or will I complain? Will I be grateful or ungrateful? Will I worship or will I worry? Will I serve or will I take? What will I do? That's on you. You decide. But that decision can be a lot easier if you fill up on Jesus. You can say, man, it is easier to choose to be nice. It is easier to choose to have joy when I've come to the fountain of life. You can't get your character off of somebody else. You got to put in work. You got to seek God. The same is the same with being a scoffer. Like you choose to be a scoffer. You choose to have a the world is over mindset. You choose that. God said, I made an eternal world. Like I, I've got eternal life for you. What's going on in the news? That don't faze me. I got a kingdom coming. Like I'm not worried about that. God, you, you have made a hope for me outside of this world. No matter how desolate this place becomes, I know that I have a place that I is being prepared for me. You would not leave me an orphan. That's what you said. I believe that. And if you lack wisdom, right? God said, ask. James 1 says, ask for wisdom. When's the last time you have asked for wisdom? I've recently started doing that. I was more like that scoffer guy a couple months ago. Asking for wisdom. Thinking about, think about your thought patterns. Do you think about stuff that leads you into a dark place? One thought leads here, and the next thing you know, dang, I'm depressed. Like, how did I even get here? Or I'm thinking about doing this thing that's very sinful. How did I get here? Wisdom will stop and say, God, give me wisdom. Is this even something worth thinking about? Do I spend time dwelling on this? Yes or no? No? Okay. I humble myself. I'm going to stop thinking about this. You've given me life. All right, next to the stage, folly. Let's see what folly's got to say. Verse 13 says, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Stolen. Uh, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Excuse me. Um, think about wisdom, right? There's a lot of verbs being used, right? Hewning, setting tables, slaughtering beasts, sending people out. Look at folly. What is folly, what, what is folly doing? Being loud and obnoxious. Just sitting there. Look, ain't I pretty? Come get it. 
Look at me. Ain't I nice to look at? But knows nothing. Sits at the door inviting people. Do you know that it doesn't take no effort to be a fool? All you got to do is exist. I'm just here and you can be a fool. It's that easy. But to be wise, you see much work being put in. It's much diligence being put in. Are we, Dave was talking about that with the ants, right? Like, are we diligent? Are we seeking God? She sits at her door of her house, and she takes her seat on the highest places of the town and calls out to those who pass by who are going on the straight way. They're going on a straight way. They're going the right way. And she's calling out to them, hey, can I have your attention? Can I come over here? You need to come over here. If you are convinced that you want to walk wisely, that you want to walk with Jesus, that you want to go the right way, be advised. There's going to be a lot of distractions. There's going to be a lot of voices real loud, real loud everywhere. Like you ever, who likes reading their Bible on the phone sometimes? I, I do that sometimes, you know, it's like try to get my streak up, you know, it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading the Bible, but then you got Google News, such and such tragedy happened, or here's some nonsense you want to know, and it's like, oh, I'm there now. How'd I get here? Distractions are calling. Folly does not want you on the straight way does not want you spending time with God. It does not want you doing that. It is an attention grabber. What are those things that keep pulling you away from God? What are the things that you feel like, this will fulfill me, or this this is so important right now? Everything's important in life, except for the word. Everything gets time. Sport, the kids' sports, we got to make it. My job, you got to make it. You got to make it. It's like these things that keep coming up. Oh, my show's coming on, the football game. Hope we get out of here soon. (laughs) Right? It's like that's the voice. That's folly. Can you identify it? That's the one that keeps calling. It does not want you to have that fullness. It does not want you to experience that. Because once you experience that, it changes everything. Growing up, I used to eat bologna. Shall we not speak of it? But, but it's like um, bar S bologna, the one you got to peel the red strip off. Um, you gotta, we like to fry it, so you got to cut it. Right? Fold up, can't flatten your bread, bad time. But I used to eat that growing up. Then when I was like an adult, my friend took me to the beach and they introduced me to deli meat. Deli cheese. And I had that. And as soon as I ate, I was like, I'm never going back. <laughs> I'm not going back to bars. We're not doing that no more. That's what it is to feel the fullness of God. 
It's to say like, man, I can't go. I've already tasted better. I've already been fulfilled. I've had the elite. Why would I go back? And anybody trying to make me eat bar as bologna, we got beef. I'm like, not doing it. And that's how you need to feel about anything competing for your time with God. I got beef with you. I've got, we've got an ought. Because God, I will be filled up today. I will walk in righteousness today. I will have faith and patience and joy today. I will have it. No one is going to take that from me because God said I can have it. Not my kids, not my job, not my wife. No one will take that from me because it's for their betterment that I do. Why would I put my attention on you so I can treat you horrible when I can just say, all right, you you wait there. I'm going to go get filled up so that I can treat you like a human. Right? Um, Yeah. Then it goes on to say, stolen water. Yet they even use the same exact thing. Whoever's simple, come on in here. Sounds, it sounds like they're using the same exact invitation. Wisdom, folly. If you don't know no better, you think they're the same person. But as you can see, it says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. The commentary I was reading, I like the way he said it. It's like, yo, that's true. Sin is good for a season. For a season, it feels great. It's like, man, this is, I like the way um, Dave says it. Like, the lightning bolt didn't hit me. Let's keep it going. Let's do it. I'm straight. It's like, no, you're not. You know how many marriages have been ended because the lightning bolt didn't hit right there? You know how many businesses and empires have fallen, careers decimated because they didn't see the lightning bolt? It's like, oh, the must, sun must, nothing's going to happen to me. It's a slow death. It's a slow death. It's not going to happen immediately to you. Think about those things that you've got a taste for and God is telling you right now, stop it. Stop doing that thing. Quit chasing that thing. Every time you do this thing, you are treating people wrong. Stop doing it. Come to me. I will fill you up. Quit running to this thing that you think is going to fill you up. It's not. God is saying, it's going to kill you. I don't want you to die. What I have for you is life. Because they end up in Sheol. They end up in death. Hell is a real, real, real place. God does not desire that for any of us. That's why he sent his son. It's a shame to be able to enjoy eternal life now. A preview of it. Be full. Live in the fullness of God. He said, Peter said, be partakers of the divine nature. Have you done that? Be partakers Walk in that. If you can have that now and you didn't, that's going to make that eternal separation from God all the worse. Because you could have been a butterfly and you decided to be a caterpillar your whole life. Y'all, you didn't even know there was more. You didn't even know that there was something else to be taken. No more leaves. Like we, we 
are eating nectar, such sweet things. I didn't know I could fly. I just decided to walk and crawl in my whole life. God's saying, step away from that. Step away from death. Come and get all that I have for you. So that's our two presenters. They've presented their cases. Now it's time for the curtain call. There's really only two characters. There's only two cast members in all this. There's Jesus and there's Satan. Which one are you going to choose? Which one will you give your allegiance? Which one will you give your ear? Jesus actually took this proverb, I believe, and made it into a parable. He says, it's in Matthew 22, 1 through 14. He goes on to say that there was a king, and he prepared a wedding banquet. Like, here's this great banquet that, that I have for my people. When he sent the people out to go get them, they all had different things that they were worried about. Distractions. Oh, I can't make it because of this. I got that. I got to make the game. I got this thing at work. And he was furious about it. It's like, don't you understand what I got for you? Do you know? Do you, do you comprehend all the great things I have for you? So he says, all right, they're not coming. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to offer it to the simple. I'm going to offer it to anybody on the road that's willing to come in here and eat and partake of this. And I will give you robes of righteousness by which you can actually be in here. Because y'all look kind of sloppy on the road right now. I got robes for you. I got an outfit for you. So when you come in here, you can be clean at the banquet. I want you to be clean. I want you to be clothed. I want you to be new. I want you to be fresh here. I provide that for you at this banquet. All the food provided. Says all you have to do is say, I'll come. I'm going. I'm going to be in this banquet. I'm going to partake what the king has made available to me. And all of that is available in Christ. What will we choose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I ask that you give us just open hearts to let the word sink in. Let it bear fruit. God, I believe that you want to transform this city. I believe that you want to transform this room. God, you want to give power. You want people to experience you in such a way that they're flabbergasted at why was I missing out on this all this time. Give that to this church. Give that to this city that we might go out and show the world the living Christ, that we would have the will to do it, have the power to do it, have the nutrients, the spiritual nutrients to go out and be a light to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.